0: In the sermon, the message for tonight, Father. I thank you for these dear people. I understand that they could be doing anything on a Sunday night; they don't have to uh, spend their time coming back to church, Lord. But they they came back because they love you, because they want to learn more about you. And Lord, I pray that you would let this uh, allow this time to be a time of learning, of encouragement, Lord, of of uh, challenging us to be. Uh, more like You and more like You have us to be. We love You, Father. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews, chapter number 13. And like we've already announced, tonight is the last sermon in the series of character. And I really like the series on character. I'm actually kind of sad for it to end uh, because it's been good for me. It's been good for me to study... Uh, the subject of character and, and finding biblical principles about character over the last few weeks, and uh, you know, you may be asking yourself, you know, what do you mean by character? And uh, if you remember the very first uh, sermon we had on character, we went through scripture and we showed principles. And when we're talking about character, what we mean by character is this. You've heard me say this. All, I think every sermon in the series of characters this is the last time you'll hear me say it. But when we say character, what we mean by character is. Character is self-control. Character is self-denial. Character is self-discipline. And when you... Uh Get to the place where you're able to control yourself, deny yourself when needed, and discipline yourself at all times. You begin to develop character. And character is the reason we succeed in certain areas. Character, or I should say a lack of character, is the reason we often fail in certain areas. And tonight, like I said, it's the last sermon on the subject of character, but tonight I want to talk about character and consistency. Character and consistency. You need to discipline yourself uh, to come to the place where you develop this attitude, and really it's a lifestyle of consistency. If you're there in Hebrews 13, look at verse number 7. Now I want you to understand that Hebrews 13:7 is referring to spiritual leadership. That's a reference to pastors but it applies to really, the principle there applies to anybody who's in a leadership capacity, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, whether you're a husband and you are leading a family, whether you're a mother who's leading children, whether you're a manager or a business owner who's leading employees, whether you're a pastor who's leading a church, whatever it is that you are uh, doing in your life where people, and you understand this, everybody has somebody looking up to you. Even small children Will have their younger siblings looking up to them, and whether they realize it or not, they are—you're a leader to someone. Someone in, in this church, you know. You may think like, "Well, I don't do anything in church," or maybe I just—I just—I'm just a soul winner, or I just drive the van, or I just—you know—do this, I just clean. But you know, there are younger Christians that you may or may not realize it, but they're looking at you and they're thinking, "Oh, that's a more mature Christian," and they're looking at you as a leader. And when it comes to leadership, if you look at verse number 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you. That's the pastor. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. That's what a pastor does. He speaks to you the word of God. He has rule over the the church. And like we talked about this morning, God, Jesus is the head of the church. And we are accountable as preachers to the word of God. We don't don't, uh, hoard over God's heritage. It's not like I just make up rules. But we are to rule according to the word of God. This says, remember them which have the rule of you. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow. You got to understand this. He's talking to spiritual leaders and he's telling those that are following. He said, I want you to follow the faith of your leader. Now here he's talking about a pastor, but really dads and husbands and moms should take this to heart and realize if anybody is looking at you and, 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 and following you, they should be able to follow your faith. Now notice what he says. Whose faith follow, why would you follow their faith? But what he says. Considering... The end of their conversation. Now, the word "conversation" today in our modern uh, vocabulary, conversation means like you're having a conversation with someone, you're dialoguing, you're you're talking to them. But the Bible word here, conversation. When our King James, uh, King James Bible was translated 400 years ago, the word conversation meant something a little bit different. And you understand words, the meanings change. The word conversation in the Bible usually is not talking about a conversation you have as far as uh, communicating with someone. But the word conversation is talking about your behavior or your lifestyle. And I want you to see this. He says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. And he says, here's why you want to remember them. Here's why you want to allow them to rule over you. Here's why you want to let them teach you the Bible. Here's why you want to follow their faith, because you want to consider the end of their behavior, the end of their lifestyle. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. People that are following you, whether it's a church member, following a pastor, whether it's a son or a daughter, following a mother, whether it's a wife, following a husband, whether it's an employee, following a a boss or an employer, you got to understand this. If they're going to follow you, you actually need to earn the respect for them to follow you by the way you live your life. He says, consider the conversation or the behavior of their life. Now, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. And those verses are in context. But I want you to see something. Look at verse 9. And be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Okay, so understand this. Verse 7, I, I went like this. <laughs> verse 7, he says, you know, if someone's going to follow you, you've got to earn that by the way you live your life. And then he says this, we all ought to follow Christ, should we not? And in verse 8 he says, how did Jesus live his life? Yesterday, today, forever, he's the same. He's consistent. He doesn't change. See, you and I, the way we ought out live our lives is like Jesus Christ. It ought to be said of us, look, your children, when you are uh, dead, when dad is gone, when grandpa is gone, your children and your grandchildren, when they speak about mom, when they speak about dad, and they speak about grandma, and they speak about grandpa, you know what they ought to say about you? They were always the same. They were always consistent. you should not have this testimony of, yeah, when we were kids, we were kinda we grew up in church and mom and dad, you know, they were really into that Bible thing. But then we got, you know, we got older and then they kind of just forgot about it. And then and then they got back into it. And then they forgot about it again. That's how most people live their lives. But you know how Christians ought to live their life? Where people say, you know, just yesterday, today, forever, they're always the same. They're consistent. Jesus was consistent. Now notice the consistency in verse 9. He says, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. He said, look, you've got to figure out what you believe. You've got to figure out where you stand and stay there. Stay consistent. You've got to understand this. There is a value to consistency. People in Scripture who accomplished much for God were consistent people. Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished much in his life. And the Bible here, look at verse 8 again. Jesus Christ, the same. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change what he believes. He doesn't change what he thinks. He doesn't change his methods. Jesus is consistent. Go to Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter number 4. Jesus is consistent. Now here we're talking about Jesus as deity, God in the flesh. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ was consistent while he was flesh, uh, while he was robed in flesh here on earth. While the Lord Jesus Christ lived in this uh, world of ours as a human being, God in the flesh, the word became flesh, he was a consistent person. Let me show it to you. Luke chapter number four. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, where he was raised, and, make note of this phrase, as his custom was. Do you see that? The word custom they're saying, as he was accustomed to do his habit was, look what it says, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now we know that the synagogue is not church, and at this time the entity of the church as we know it today maybe did not exist, but the synagogue is where Jesus Christ went on a regular basis, it was a religious place where they read the Bible, where they talked about the word of God, he went there, but I want you to say this, about Jesus, it was his custom. That means, if you would have known Jesus Christ as a a human being, and we know He's God in the flesh, but if you would have asked, where's Jesus on the Sabbath day? Where is He? And people would would be able to tell you, well, He's always at the the synagogue. It's His custom. It's what He consistently does. Do you see that? Go to Acts 17. Acts 17. People who accomplish much are always consistent in the things that they do. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is yesterday, today, today, and forever. He's the same. Of course, he had a custom here in his flesh. But look at Acts 17. Look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was probably, and I say this often about Paul, but it's true. The Apostle Paul, other than the Lord Jesus Christ and, and John the Baptist, was probably the greatest man who ever lived. I mean, definitely accomplished more than any other missionary, any other church planner, any other evangelist, anybody else in ministry. The Apostle Paul did more, accomplished more, uh, did more for the glory of God than any human being that has probably ever lived. And you say, well, how did he do that? Well, look at Acts 17. Notice something interesting about Paul. Acts 17, verse 2. And Paul, notice this phrase, as his manner was. Do you see that? That's the same terminology it says about Jesus as his custom was. Here it says, Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath day, reasoned with them out of Scripture. So here's the thing. When Paul went in on the Sabbath day and preached to them and reasoned with them out of Scripture, he wasn't doing something out of the ordinary. It wasn't like, wow, look at Paul. He went out to preach the gospel. No. When Paul went out to preach the gospel, people were like, yeah, that's what he always does. That's his manner. It's as his manner was. Do you see that? Look at Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 18. Let me show it to you again. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Acts 20, 18 says, Acts chapter number 20, verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, this is Paul speaking, he says, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after, notice what he says, what manner I have been with you. At all seasons. See, the Apostle Paul, you know, you, you may wonder, you may, you know, you may think, how was it that the Apostle Paul accomplished so much? How was it that he was able to take the gospel into the unknown world and go to the uttermost parts of the earth and, 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 he, and, he, and he literally brought the gospel to the Gentiles? How was he able to do that? And here's how he did it. By living a consistent life. It wasn't just, a, uh, you know, every once in a while. When he went, when he was there, people could count on him. They said, it's as his matter is. He's always doing that. It's something he does consistently. You got to understand this. There is a value to a consistent life. There is a value to a consistent life. Now, let me let me just explain, because I want you to really understand this tonight. Let me give you some practical examples as to why a consistent life will always produce more than an inconsistent life. You know, sometimes people, get, they, they, they get these like spurts of energy. And sometimes people get these spurts of spirituality, where they want to do something for God. But they don't, but you understand this. A consistent life will always accomplish more than someone who just every once in a while wants to do something for God. Let me give you an example, okay? Someone who consistently, every day, disciplines himself to just read. Four chapters of the Bible every day. 15 minutes a day, that's all it takes for the average reader. Maybe if you're a slow reader, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But here's the point. And, And you could do more than that, and I'd advocate that we should do more than that. But here's what I'm trying to say. Someone who just says, I'm going to consistently read the Bible, four chapters a day, every day, 15 minutes a day. I promise you, that person in their lifetime will read more Bible. And will read the Bible more times in their lifetime than someone who just sporadically... You know, sometimes people will, like, they'll go through a trial. You know, they'll go through, like, a storm. And they're going through a tough time. And people just, like, run to the Bible. And they'll sit down, you know, and, like, just read the entire book of Psalms just in one sitting. Now, reading the entire book of Psalms in one sitting is a great accomplishment. But you know that the person who just reads 15 minutes every day... we'll read more. You know, sometimes people get really excited about like end times prophecy. And they're like, I want to learn everything about end times prophecy. And they'll sit down and they just read the entire like book of Revelation just in one sitting. And they'll go to Daniel and they'll read the entire book of Daniel just in one sitting. And praise the Lord for it. But you know, if you just randomly, when you get excited, or randomly, when you feel like you need to hear from God, sit down and just read a bunch of Bible in one sitting. Hey, praise the Lord for that. But you got to understand this. The person who just consistently every day Four chapters a day. Every day of their life. That person will read more Bible than the guy who just does it sporadically. Because there's more value to consistency. Let me give you another example. You know, these liberal churches that don't go soul winning. They don't go knock on doors. But you know what's really big with the liberal churches is mission strips. You know, they'll get all excited and they're like, we're going to raise all this money and we're going to go to, over to Africa or we're going to go over to, you know, somewhere in South America. We're going to go over here and we're going to go over there. We're going to spend three weeks and we're going to go on those mission strips and we're going to evangelize people. And you know, praise the Lord for it. I've, I've never been on a mission strip. I've always been too poor to go on a mission strip. I don't know that I'll ever go on a mission strip. And praise the Lord, I'm not against mission trips, But you don't know, have the person who just consistently week after week just shows up to go soul winning knocking on doors consistently will win more souls for Christ than the guy who goes on some big expensive mission trip for three weeks to some other continent because doing something consistently always produces more than just this spurt of excitement this enthusiasm we're all going to you know Salvador we're all going to you know Mexico we're all going to go to Africa we're going to be there for three weeks and we're going to raise $15,000 it's going to be a great thing and look praise the Lord for it if they do it but the person that just consistently goes out soul winning, knocking doors, in a lifetime will accomplish more for the glory of God. than the person that gets all excited about a mission trip. And I'm not against a mission trip. I'm just saying consistency always wins. Let me give you another example. Sometimes people will get all excited. You know, we'll move into a new building. We'll be like, we need to raise some money. And someone will get excited and say, I'm going to give a big check. You know, I'm going to give a big offering to God. And praise the Lord for it. If people do it, praise God for it. But again, the person who consistently just throws their tithe check in the offering plate, every time they get paid, they just consistently, faithfully tithe to God. You know, it may not be much. It may be $20 a week, $50 every two weeks, whatever it is. Whatever you make, $500 a month. You know, you say, well, it's not a lot, but I consistently do it. that person will have more rewards in heaven and will do more to finance the gospel and the ministry of Jesus Christ than the guy who just gets excited and throws in a big check every once in a while. It's just the truth. It's the principle of... Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? The hare got all excited and he ran fast! But then he stopped. And the tortoise would just consistently do the same thing. Every day. Every day. Every day. And I'm I'm here to explain to you... Consistency has a value. Now look... The best thing would be to do both. The best thing would be to go soul winning every week consistently and go on a big mission stream. The greatest thing would be to just put your tithe in the offering plate every week and give a big offering to God. The greatest, you know, the good thing would be to just consistently read the Bible every day and every once in a while just sit down and read for hours. I mean, that would be great. But if you've got to choose one, choose consistency. It always produces more. There's a value to consistency. Go to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49 I'm trying to explain to you why you need consistency consistency will always produce more consistency will always have a great value why do you need consistency because there is more value to a consistent life than an inconsistent life but it goes deeper than that you've got to understand this an inconsistent life a sporadic life will oftentimes produce nothing Are you there in Genesis 49? Now let me give you the context a little bit of Genesis 49. In Genesis 49 you have Jacob, who has 12 sons, whose 12 sons will become the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob is getting ready to die. And he's kind of giving last words to his sons. And as you'll see here, some of the words weren't that nice. But he's just, he's on his deathbed, and he's just giving them the last words, things he wanted to say to them, giving them advice, or just taking something off his chest. And I want you to notice what he says to his son, Reuben, in Genesis 49, look at verse 4. He says, unstable as water. Okay, do we, is water a stable thing? I mean, is water something you want to just lay your foundation on? I mean, it was a miracle when Jesus walked on water, Right. Because water is not something that's pretty stable, okay? Water is probably the least stable thing in the world. And Jacob says to his son, you know what you are? You're you're like water, very unstable. Very inconsistent. Very shaky. Very wavy. Very can't count on you. Very don't have a foundation. Now notice what he says. Unstable as water, he says because of that, thou shalt not excel. You know why, you know, we've talked about character, but really, one of the keys to character is the fact that it's not just to have character, but it's to have consistent character. Oftentimes, we don't excel in life because we're unstable as water. You say, why don't I know the Bible like I should? Because you're unstable as water when it comes to your Bible reading. You're unstable as water when it comes to, to the things in your life. And you've got to understand this. Not only is there a greater value to consistency, but when you're inconsistent, when you're unstable, when you're, when you're you know just blown about with every wind of doctrine, the Bible actually says you won't excel. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou went up to thy father's bed, and the father's uh, it. he went up to my couch, and he's dealing with some sin issues there. Go back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter number 20. So we talked about the fact that there is a value to consistency. We talked about the fact that Jesus Christ was consistent. Paul was consistent. And that's why they produce so much in their lives. And the fact that if you're inconsistent, you're actually not going to excel. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to accomplish much. Because those that succeed in life succeed because they consistently do the things they're supposed to do. Let me give you some areas that you you should strive to be consistent in. Now, we can all think of areas to be consistent in in our lives. And and, and as you think of those, you ought to work on those. But let me just give you some areas you should be consistent in in your spiritual life. Are Are you there in Acts chapter 20 again? Look at verse 18. I want you to see what Paul said. He said, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have... Now, what was this manner that he had? Look what he says. I have been with you... He said, I have been with you at all seasons. Paul said, I was consistent in my assembling with you. I was consistent in joining myself with you. Here's what Paul's saying. I was consistent in my church attendance. Go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. That's where we started tonight. We were in Hebrews 13, so just find Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. In every area in your life that you should strive to be consistent. And you ought to strive to be consistent in your church attendance. You ought to strive to be consistent in your church attendance. Hebrews chapter number 10. Look at verse number 25. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now the assembling, we talked about it this morning. What is a church? An assembly, right? So what are we talking about here? A, a, A church. He says, not forsaking. He says, you should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now notice what he says here. As the manner of some is. Now here you find the word manner in a negative type. When we saw it with Jesus, it was positive. This was something he did on a, it was his custom to do. When we saw it with Paul, it was positive. It was his manner. It was something he did regularly. But the Bible here teaches us that some people have a manner, and some people have a custom, and some people have a habit of forsaking church. That's a bad act. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And sometimes you'll say, well, how much church can we get? I mean, you, you have service on Sunday morning, you have service on Sunday night, you have service on Wednesday night. I mean, how much is too much? Well, notice what God says. He says, so much the less. Is that what it says? It says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is referring to the, to the, the, the day of judgment. The day approaching is talking about the tribulation, it's talking about the, the, when Jesus Christ comes back, it's talking about the great white throne, it's talking about the, the judgment day. He says, look, the closer we get to the judgment day, you need more church, not less. He says, the closer we get to, to God coming back, the closer we get to the tribulation, the closer we get to standing before God, you need more church, not less. He says, so much, the more, as you see the day approaching. Not forsaken. So you ought to strive. What's an area for you to strive to have consistency You ought to strive to be consistent in your church attendance. You ought to have the testimony that when you're not here at church, people are like, man, where's so-and-so? He's always here. That ought to be your testimony. You know, sometimes people aren't here, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, they're kind of hit and miss. That's a horrible testimony for you to have. Hit and miss when it comes to the Christian life. Your testimony should not be, you know, he's one of those, as a matter of some is, forsaking the assembly. Your testimony should be that that you are consistent in your church attendance. And let me explain to you. We talked about the the value of consistency, right? You need to understand this. You know, sometimes people get this idea like, I'm going to go to church and it's going to change my life. But look, you got to understand... What changes your life is a consistency to church where week after week after week the Word of God is being delivered to you and you are receiving it and you are learning it and it's washing your sins away and it's uh, it's washing your mind and it's making you a new person and it's teaching you every week as you come and you learn a new principle and you learn a new doctrine and you're taught a new thing and you're challenged and you're reminded and you're told, hey, be consistent. Hey, be consistent. As you come week after week after week, and you get the word into your heart and into your mind, that will begin to produce a change in your life. But when you come and you're just gotta hit and miss here a week, then we don't see you for a few weeks, then you come back and then you're here for, you know, you're pre consistent for about a month, then you then we don't see you for three months. Hey, you're not gonna grow like that growth comes through consistent church attendance Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night being there the Bible in the book of Isaiah said here a little there a little lie upon lie precept upon precept step by step consistently going through and teaching the Bible that will change your life people get this idea this big big preachers coming into town Billy Graham's showing up or whoever you know Joyce Myers is coming to town they're gonna preach at Arco Rita I and they're going to change my life! One sermon's not going to change your life. Amen. And Joyce Meyer's dead. sure, is not going to change your life. <laughs> but look, even if it's some great preacher, even if it's the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is coming into town, one sermon's not going to change your life. It's a consistent diet of reading and listening to preaching and being in God's house. That will change your life Consistency in your church Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, look at verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse number 11. I'm giving you areas to be consistent. And we said number one, we talked about the value of consistency. Number two, giving you areas that you should strive to be consistent in. We said uh, number one in that point, you got to strive to be consistent in your church. Acts chapter 17, you got to strive to be consistent in your Bible reading. Acts 17, look at verse 11. You come to church, right? You say, okay, pastor, I'm coming to church Sunday morning. I'm coming to church Sunday night. I'm coming to church Wednesday night. I- I- I'm coming to all the churches. I'm being pretty consistent with it. I'm getting all the lessons. I'm getting all the Bible. I'm learning a lot. Now what do I do? Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The apostle Paul is preaching here to the church of Berea. And the Bible says about the church of Berea, it says these were more noble than those than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So they went to church, they heard the preaching, they received the word with all readiness of mind, but they didn't just walk out the doors and just say, okay, well the preacher gave me the word, so now I'm good to go. No. What did they do? Look at what it says. Acts 17.11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. that they received the word with all readiness of mind and here's what they did and search the scriptures every once in a while what's that say search the scriptures let's say it together daily search the scriptures daily whether those things were (laughs) so see your job is not to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night so Pastor men is going to spoon feed you the Bible your job is to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night or however consistent you're able to do it you come to church you get fed the word of God then you go home and you open up the Bible for yourself and you read every day for yourself to see whether those things are so you're not just decide. you know why do you believe in so and so doctrine because Pastor Emmanuel said it wrong answer you should read it in the Bible you should study it in the Bible you should know what the Bible says It says they search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. You ought to strive to have a daily consistency in your Bible reading. Go to Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17 in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 17. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Fifth book in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse number 19. Deuteronomy 17, verse number 19, says... Deuteronomy 17, 19... And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. Not some of the days. Not the days he goes to church. Not when he's going through something and he feels like he needs to get into the Bible. Not when he's excited about a new doctrine that he learned. But all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. To keep all the words of the law and these statutes. To do them. you got to strive to be in your Bible every day. you got to strive to have consistency, not just in your church attendance, not just when the church is gathered together and assembled together, should you strive to be consistent, but you should strive to be consistent to read your Bible every day, to be in the Bible every day, to study the Scriptures every day. Go to Luke, chapter number 18. Luke, chapter number 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter number 18. Let me give you another area you got to be consistent in. Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18. And here's another area you got to strive to be consistent in. Luke chapter 18. Look at verse number 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end. The phrase to this end means he, he was the goal, he was the reason he gave them this parable. He was trying to teach them... a A principle, what was that principle? What it says to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You ought to strive to have a consistency to your prayer life. You ought to strive to pray. It says men ought always to pray. It doesn't say men ought sometimes to pray. It says men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now notice the parable that Jesus gave to teach this principle, verse 2, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God. This was a bad judge, a corrupt judge. Neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city... And she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So, the judge was supposed to avenge. You know, we think of a judge today like someone who sits you know, in a room somewhere and tells us what the law means. But in the Bible, remember we we're saying the book of Judges, a judge not only determined what the law is, but they also kind of enforced it. They were the ones that were supposed to avenge or protect the people. And here you've got a corrupt judge. Here you've got an evil judge. And a widow comes to him and she says, Avenge me of mine adversary. Verse 4. And he would not for a while but afterward, he said with himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man. He said, look, I don't care what God says. I don't care what man says. I don't want to do this. But I'm going to help this lady. Why is he doing it? Look, verse five. Yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Now, notice this phrase. Less, the word less means unless, by her continual coming, she weareth me. See, this was a judge. He didn't want to help anybody. He didn't want to do his job. He was corrupt. He just was taking bribes. He didn't want to actually help anybody that he was supposed to help to. But this little widow, she kept coming to him day after day after day, troubling him, bothering him, saying, Help me, help me, help me. And he finally got so fed up, he said, By her continual coming, she is querying me. He said, I'm going to help her just to get her to leave me alone. Now look at verse 6. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect? He says, look, if, if an unjust judge would avenge this little widow lady because she kept bothering him, he, he says, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry... Does this sound like a consistent prayer life, day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them? I think a lot of our prayers don't get answered because we just don't stick with it long enough. And we ask, God, can you help me with this, this thing? And if it's not answered in five minutes, God didn't answer my prayer. Maybe you gotta just develop a prayer life of day and night. Maybe you gotta develop a prayer life of always, men are always to pray. You gotta learn to be consistent in your prayer life. Every day, come to God, pleading to God, uh, ask Him to help you, and come to Him day and night, day and night, day and night. And maybe God will say, man, I'm just gonna do it for so and so because they're just troubling me so much. You gotta develop a consistency in your prayer life. Go to First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. Remember those key books? You got First Thessalonians, First Second Timothy, Titus. First Thessalonians chapter five. Look at verse seventeen. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. First Thessalonians five seventeen. That's what I meant to say. Very short verse. Look what it says. Pray without ceasing. The word ceasing means stopping, without taking a break. you got to be in a continual mode of prayer. You know, the beautiful thing about prayer is you can do it, you know, anywhere. You can be driving down the street, you can be in the shower. And I believe we ought to have a time where we get along with God and get on our knees and pray. But you can pray while you're at work, you can do it all the time. You've got to develop a consistency in your prayer life. We said you've got to develop a consistency in your church attendance. you got to develop a consistency in your Bible reading. you got to develop a consistency in your prayer life. Go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 and look at verse number 42. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Let me give you another area you've got to strive to be consistent in. Acts chapter number 5. And look at verse number 42. We saw this verse this morning. And I don't want to spend a lot of time explaining it because we talked about it this morning. But I want you to see the consistency here. Acts 5.42, talking about soul winning, evangelism, preaching the gospel. It says, and daily in the temple and in every house they, notice this phrase, ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You got to develop a consistency in your soul winning. You ought to have a type of soul winning where it ceases not, where it's continual, where it's all the time, consistently, it's the manner about you, it's, it's something, you know, People are just like, where's so-and-so? Well, it's Saturday morning, they're probably soul winning. How do you know? Because it's what they do every week. Where's so-and-so? Well, it's Sunday morning, they're probably in church. How do you know? Because that's where they're always on Sunday morning. They're always at church on Sunday night. They're always in church on Wednesday night. when well, they're all, you know, so people. I mean, literally, out against the place where where's where's dad? Well, he's reading his Bible. How do you know? Because this is when he always reads his Bible. That's the type of life you and I ought to live—a consistent Christian life. Go to Acts chapter twenty. Acts chapter twenty. Acts twenty. Look at verse twenty. Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty. We saw these verses, like I said this morning, but I want you to see it again. Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you, and I've taught you publicly from house to house. Now look at verse 31. Skip down to verse 31. Acts 20, 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, Paul was with them there for three years. He says, you know. He said, you watched my life. He said, remember, that by the space of three years, so he says, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I mean, Paul said, you know that for the three years I was here, night and day I was warning people, I was preaching to people, I was telling them about Jesus. With tears I was laboring, telling them. I'm just trying to explain to you. You say, how did the Apostle Paul accomplish so much? Maybe because he was day and night preaching. Maybe because he had a manner about himself. You a consistency. You gotta strive to have consistency in your church attendance. You gotta strive to have consistency in your Bible reading. You gotta strive to have consistency in your prayer life. You gotta strive to have consistency in your soul winning ministry. And like we said this morning, you don't have to go soul winning every every Saturday, but you should go soul winning regularly. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people you you gotta just pick a day where you go soul winning and stick to it and don't let anything come between you and that day. Just decide, on this this is my soul winning day. If it's a Wednesday, let it be Wednesday. If it's a Tuesday, let it be Tuesday. If it's Saturday morning, let it be Saturday morning. But you got to have a day where you decide, I'm just going to go. Every week, I go, and I preach the gospel. I do it, you know, it's not the only time I do it. I try to do it other times. I try to do it when I'm talking to my friends, when I'm talking to my coworkers. But if I don't get to do it any other time, I know on this day, I'm going to go every week and be consistent. You gotta develop a consistency with your prayer life. Bible reading. You gotta have a time set aside every day, whether it's early morning, late night, whatever it is. You gotta have a time every day where you say, this is when I read the Bible. Not only should you have a time, you should have a place. You should have a place where you go at this time, here's where I read my Bible every day. Here's where I pray every day. Here's when I go to church every day. Oh, every day. That'd be good. <laughs> well, not for me. Good night. It's hard enough to write three sermons. Here's when I go to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. you got to just develop it consistently in your, in your life. And, you know, there are other areas that, that, uh, that you could be consistent in. I don't want to, you know, we could spend all night going through. But let me just give you, I'm not going to give you any references for this. Just a few things for you to consider. You've got you to be consistent in your temperament. You gotta be the type of guy that's just like up and down, you know the the, the woman who's just like, you know, I'm really happy, I'm really sad, I'm really happy, now I'm mad. I'm not writing a rhyme, that just happened. <laughs> <clears throat> you gotta just strive to be consistent in your temperament. I'm always doing good. Say, so, well, I'm not always doing good. Hey, if you're saved, you're always doing good. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta just strive to be, have a consistency in your temperament. You gotta, ha- you know, parents, you gotta strive. This is difficult. If you've got young children and you're actually trying to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's hard. But you've got to strive to be consistent in training your children. It's difficult. It, look, I'm telling you, I, I struggle. Pastor man struggles with having daily Bible reading with his children every day. But i I, I got to strive towards that. I've only got a few short years with them. i got to teach them the Bible. i to pray with those kids. i got to uh, read the Bible with them. i got to talk about Scripture. You should be consistent in training your kids. You should be consistent in disciplining your kids. You know, all these Baptists, I believe in spanking, and the Bible teaches you how to spank your children. That's what it says. But sometimes it's a lot of talk, and we don't really do it as much as we need to. You got to develop a consistency when they need it, do it. You got to develop a consistency in your time management. You got to be consistent in, in being on time all the time. You got to develop a consistency in your work ethic. You got to just develop everything in your life should just have a consistency to it, where people always know what you're going to do. People ought to just know, you know. Well, I, you, you should be able to ask somebody's wife or somebody you know, somebody that they're close to and just say, well, are you know? There are certain people, if you ask them, what do you think pastor's going to think about this? They're going to be like, well, you know he's not going to like that? Well, how do you know that? Because he's pretty consistent in the things he doesn't like. He's pretty consistent in the things he does like. you got to live your life in a way where you're just consistent. Go to Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. Daniel, chapter number 1. Daniel, chapter number 1. You got those Old Testament prophets. Daniel is the first of the minor prophets. Those smaller books. The first of the smaller books there. Daniel, chapter number 1. We said, we talked, number 1, about the value of consistency. People who accomplish much are consistent. Jesus was consistent. Paul was consistent. There's a value to consistency because when you are consistent, you will always accomplish more. than someone who just has a spurt of activity. We talked about areas you should strive to be consistent in. Church attendance, Bible reading, prayer time, soul winning. But let me explain to you how you ought to develop consistency. So how do you develop a consistent life? Go to Daniel. Are you you in Daniel chapter 1? Look at verse 8. Now Daniel, would you agree that Daniel was a great man of God? I mean Daniel was a consistent man. Do you remember the story? We're not going to go to it. But do you remember the story where Daniel got thrown into the lion's den? Think about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We've all heard that story, Right? How, why did Daniel get thrown into his lies then? Because he prayed consistently three times a day. Everyone knew three times a day Daniel at this time prays to God. So his enemy said, we're going to use that against him. We're going to pass a law that says you can't pray to anybody except the king. You can't pray to any god. You can only pray to the king. And we know that Daniel's going to break that law because he's so consistent in his prayer life. Are you that consistent in your prayer life where you could get thrown in prison because of this? That's a pretty consistent line. But you say, well, how did Daniel develop that consistency? I believe the answer is found in, in Daniel chapter 1, like verse 8. Daniel, when he first goes into captivity, is faced with an issue of whether he's going to defile himself with the king's meat, which was wrong for him to do. In Daniel 1, 8, the Bible says this, but Daniel, look what it says, purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The beginning, I believe we find in Daniel one eight the beginning to the greatness of this man Daniel. What made Daniel so great? Here's what made him so great. Before he had to make the decision, he already purposed in his heart what he was going to do. Go back to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. Let me show you another example. Acts chapter number 11. Here you got Barnabas talking to a group of new believers. And look at the advice Barnabas gives to them. Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11, verse 23. Acts chapter number 11, verse 23. Acts eleven twenty-three 23 says, Who... When he came, and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that... Notice what he says. He's exhorting them, he's encouraging them, he's challenging them to do what? Notice what he says. That with purpose of heart... Is that not what Daniel did? Remember, he purposed in his heart? That with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord... Barnabas here tells a group of new believers, he said, let me tell you the secret. Let me tell you the secret to the successful Christian life. you got to just right now, purpose in your heart that you're going to cleave unto the Lord. Just decide right now. See, you say, how do I develop consistency? I call it, you need to get yourself on autopilot. You need to make decisions in your heart and then don't revisit those decisions. Do you think Pastor Emmanuel gets up up every Sunday morning and asks himself, am I going to go to church today? Look, I decided a long time ago, and it was way before I was a pastor, years before I was a pastor, years before I started Verity Baptist Church, my wife and I made a commitment and decided every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, we will be in church. We purpose in our hearts to be in church. We put ourselves on autopilot. So guess what? Sunday morning rolls around, there is no question. Are we going to church? We're going to church. We've already made that decision. And we're not revisiting that. On Sunday night, there's no company's coming, families coming, the game's on, the Olympus are on, the this is on, the that is on, I'm tired, I don't know if I'm going to make it. it, that doesn't happen at our house, you know why? Because we just know, Sunday night, we go to church, we've already made that decision, we're on autopilot, Sunday night, we're going to be in church, Wednesday night, we're going to be in church, Saturday, we're going soul winning, I read the Bible in the morning, my wife reads the Bible in the morning, we have a time for prayer, we have a time for children's Bible time. we don't, we don't. If you get up every Saturday morning and just make the decision, am I going to go soul winning today? You're probably not going to make it. Not even half the time, you're probably not going to make it most of the time. Because there's always a reason to not go. If you, if you leave it up to am I, are we going to church today? You're probably not going to come very consistently. But if you purpose in your heart, if you put yourself on autopilot, it's not up for debate. Every day I will read my Bible at this time. It's not up for debate. Every day I will pray at this time it's not up for debate every week I will go soul winning on this day at this time I will consistently go soul winning on this day at this time I will consistently go to church you need to get to the place where you purpose in your heart you set yourself on autopilot and then you don't revisit it Amen. you know it's not up for discussion no one at our house and when I was a kid look there was never a, there was, there was never a Sunday in my life when I was a kid growing up that I, I, I asked myself I wonder if we're going to church today because it was a consistent pattern in our life that we went to church. It was consistent that we went soul winning. As a family, we'd go. It was consistent. You know, we had Bible time when I was a kid on Friday nights. I never wondered, are we having Bible time today? It's Friday night. We, we did it every Friday night. That was the time we had Bible time at our house when I was growing up. You need to get yourself on autopilot. If you want to develop consistency in your life, you need to make a decision, purpose in your heart. And here's the trick. Don't reopen it. Don't revisit it. Don't bring it up for discussion. If someone says, I was thinking that maybe tonight we wouldn't go, uh-uh, nope, that's not what we do. Every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, every Saturday morning. This is what we do. We've already decided. It's already set. The course is set. We're on autopilot. That's how we do it. Now here's the thing. Go to First Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. How do you, to develop consistency in your life, you get yourself on autopilot. You know how you get yourself to show up early? You just decide, I'm going to be the guy that's always there early. I'm going to be the guy that's always there. I'm going to be the guy that's always consistent. I'm going to be the guy you can just count on me. Make that decision. Purpose in your heart. But it's not just making a decision. What was the, the, I like the quote in the bulletin this week. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes. But no plan. You you can make all the promises you want. I'm going to do this. Pastor, I'm gonna. I mean, if I if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, "Pastor, I'm gonna do this," and they do it for one, two, three weeks, and then they forget about it, and it's like never. They, the choice was never made. Me and women, women, they like, Pastor, you know, I will preach a sermon about dress standards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress exactly like the Bible says for me to dress. I'm gonna throw out all these clothes. I'm gonna just live for God. And then, like you know, a few months on the road, they're like back how they used to dress. They made a decision, but they never purpose in their heart. I'm going to be a and soul winning pastor. I'll be there every week. And they're there for a few weeks. And then it's like, what happens to also? Well, they made a plan. They, they made a promise. They had a hope. But you've got to get yourself on autopilot. You've got a purpose in your heart. But here's the trick. It's not just making a decision. Then you've got to force yourself to do it until a habit is developed. Are you there in 1 Corinthians 9? I, I like studying the life of Paul. One of these days, one of these Sunday nights, we need to just preach a series on the life of Paul. Because Paul accomplished so much in his life. But he tells us how he accomplished so much. First Corinthians 9.27 says this. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway." Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. That phrase, bring into subjection, here's what he's saying. I force myself. You think Paul wanted to go preach day and night with tears every day? I'm sure there were days when he thought, I'm tired. I'm sure there were days when he said, I'm discouraged. I'm sure there was days when he said, I don't want to do it today. I don't want to go today. I don't want to preach today. I don't want to read my Bible today. Look, all of us are going to get the time to times where, but Paul just said, I've made a decision and I'm going to keep under my body. I'm going to bring it into subjection. I'm going to force myself to do what I've committed myself to do. I'm not reopening it. I'm not revisiting it. It's not up for debate. I've already decided this is what I'm going to do and bless God, I'm going to do it. That's the type of life we ought to live keep under my body, bring it into subjection. Go to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter 20, we were just there earlier. Keep your finger there if you haven't left already in Corinthians because we're going to come back right to it. But go to Acts 20. We're, We're done right here. Let me give you a few things to think about. Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. Look at verse 24. We should strive... To have consistency in our lives. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said this, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, none of these things move me. He said, Look, I, I when I make a choice, when I take a stand, when I decide I'm doing it, he said, I'm not unstable like waters. I said, I'm I'm pretty stable. He said, In fact, nothing moves me. That's a pretty good testimony. Go back to first Corinthians, look at verse fifteen. First Corinthians verse fifteen. First Corinthians verse fifteen. Verse First Corinthians fifteen. Look at verse number fifty eight. First Corinthians fifteen, fifty eight. Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, he said, this is how I want you to be. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You ought to have that testimony. When people bring up your name, they ought to say words like this. Steadfast, unmovable, always about me. None of these things move me. I will not be moved. Go to First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four. Look at verse two. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two. First Corinthians, four, verse two. First Corinthians four two says this. Moreover, it is required. In, in stewards, just let this phrase sink into you: that a man be found faithful. That ought to be what you strive for. People, when people talk about you, they ought to use this word: that's a faithful man. That's a faithful woman. They are consistent. They are always there. You ought to strive to have that testimony. And if you have that testimony already, then you ought to strive to keep it. And if you don't have that testimony, you ought to strive to develop the character. Remember, what is character? Self-discipline, self-control, self-denial. You ought to learn to discipline your body, bring it into subjection, de- deny yourself, and say, I'm going to develop consistently consistency in my life where I'm going to be unmovable, I'm going to be steadfast, I'm going to be always abounding. When people talk about me, they're going to say, there goes a faithful man. I mean, could you think of a greater thing to be said? at your funeral. I hope when Pastor Jimenez dies, and you people are standing up here and saying, oh, you know, how great he was, how good looking he was, how, you know, amazing he was. I, I hope that some of you get up and say, you know, I know everybody else is just lying, but one thing that was true about him is he was faithful. He was faithful. He was consistent. He was the same. He was the same when the church started. He was the same decades later. That's what you gotta to strive to be—faithful. That a man be found faithful. Let me give you a few, uh, a few things to think about. We preached the whole sermon on consistency, but let me just give you a few thoughts here. Who needs to strive for consistency in their life? Who needs it? You know, this sermon on consistency—Who needs this sermon? Let me give you three groups of people that need to strive for consistency in their life. Number one: new Christians. New Christians need to strive for consistency in their life. Why is that? Because they, the new Christians, are developing the habits that are going to make them successful in their Christian life. A new Christian, everything's new to them. So right now they need to be developing those good habits and not developing the bad habits. And you got to just have a habit of just being a consistent person. A new Christian needs to develop consistency in their life because they are developing the habits that are going to help them in their Christian life to be successful. Another group of people who needs consistency in their life is struggling Christians. So new Christians need to develop consistency, but struggling Christians. From time to time, Christians get backslid. From time to time, they deal with sin. From time to time, they're not as on fire as they used to be. They have left their first love. And if you're a struggling Christian, you say, I'm struggling with sin, I'm struggling uh, with bondage, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. If you are struggling with sin, you need to develop consistency in your life. Why is that? Because if you're struggling with sin... A consistent life will not only keep you out of trouble, it will also keep you accountable. See, it's hard to be accountable to someone that's not consistent, because you don't know what their normal functions are. But if you're just like, always, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then all of a sudden we don't see you for a week, it's like, what happened? So, a new Christian needs to develop consistency. Struggling Christians need to develop consistency. But there's one more group who needs to develop consistency. Mature Christians need to develop consistency in their lives. say, why do mature Christians need it? Well, these Christians are the most susceptible to getting back to it. See, once you've been doing it for a while, it starts to get a little old. You start thinking, Sunday night again. Read my Bible again. I read it last year. And see, a new Christian needs to, de- a mature Christian, excuse me, needs to develop consistency in their life because that consistency will help them keep on keeping on. If you're a mature Christian, you say, I've been doing this for a while, I'm not bachelor, you need to develop consistency because it'll help you to finish the race. It'll help you, like Paul said, I have finished my course. He said, I, I finished the race. He said, I got to the end. He said, I was faithful. He said, there's a, a crown laid up of righteousness for me. Now, here's what's interesting about my list. New Christians, struggling Christians, mature Christians. That's everybody. You say, as a man, who needs consistency? Everyone. New Christians, struggling Christians, mature Christians. Everybody needs... Here's the bottom line. You need to develop consistency in your life. Be consistent. Let's bow our heads have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for this... Lesson on consistency in the series on character, and even though we're finishing it up. I pray, Father, that you would please help us to be able to not let this go in one ear and out the other, but that we would learn to be consistent in the areas of our lives that we need to be consistent. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.